life. I wouldn't be a Thursday night Bible study without a whiteboard. So I dragged this up here. So I'll write a few words on there. Uh, I'm going to preach loud. I'm going to preach fast because I'm in my element now. Teenagers, I know. I got to light myself on fire and you will come to watch me burn. So here we go. 11, Hebrews 11, verse 5. All right. Hebrews 11, verse 5. There we go, Hebrews 11, verse 5. Whoever went to Conestoga? Who went to Conestoga, right? Remember those Conestoga services where you'd be outside, and, right, preaching three-hour services outside? So if you think it's warm in here, you have not gone to Conestoga. This is, this is Nirvana next to Conestoga, right? But anyway, um, let's get going here. Hebrews 11, 5. Let me jump in here. Um, this is the most important part of camp is when we open up our Bibles, whether it's on our devotion teams or hear from the, from the pulpit. This is the most important part. I'm happy to have lasagna and play carpet ball, bowling, or whatever that thing is called up there. What is it called? Carpet? Carpet ball? You know, carpet ball is what I'm trying to get off my sweaters. But anyway, um, Hebrews 11, verse 5. Here's the question I want you to think about and the question I want you to consider before we jump into our study today. Would you like to come to the end of your life having pleased God. If that's you, say amen. Amen. You'd like to get to the end of the race and, you know, God says, well done, I'm pleased. I'm not doing anything fancy here, just getting my water. Um, Well, I would like you, there are a few things in the Bible that say pleased God. We're not going to turn to all of them right now, but in 1 Corinthians 1, the Bible says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know one thing that God really likes? God really likes when the word of God is preached and somebody gets saved. You know God really likes that? So if you're sitting here today and you're not sure Jesus is your savior, you know what would make God really happy? If you trusted Jesus and called upon him to be your savior, that would please God, amen? That would please God in a major, major way. That's one thing that pleased God. How many people are saved in here? Say amen. All right. Oh, come on. You're going to be excited for basketball. Let me hear it. Amen. Okay, okay. All right. Don't wilt on me now. All right. You know what else pleased God? In Galatians chapter 1, the Bible says the formation of the body of Christ through the doctrines of the Apostle Paul, the fact that God was going to call out a body for himself, he said, you know what? That pleases me. Is anybody here in the church? Anybody here in the New Testament church? Guess what? If you're in the New Testament church, that pleased God because God was pleased to take this little thing called the church and make it something that would glorify him. But those are none of the things we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about a person tonight in Hebrews 11 verse 5. Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I want to be like Enoch. Because at the end of Enoch's life, God wrote down, he pleased me. So I got to ask myself, what was Enoch's testimony? What did Enoch do that so pleased God? He put him in the Bible. Go to Genesis chapter 5. Let's see what Enoch did. Let's see what big church he built or all this money he gave to missions. Let's see what Enoch did, right? Let's see about those, you know, things he did. Genesis 5, verse number 18 is where we'll start. Let's read the story of Enoch. It's not too long. The Bible says, 
in Genesis 5.18, and Jared lived 160 in two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 in two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 in five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. Interesting. After he begat Methuselah, 300 years, there's a message in that, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. You say, what did Enoch do? It was so simple, you're going to miss it. Simple. What was his testimony? What did God record? I don't see anything in there but one thing. Enoch walked with God. That's what Enoch did that pleased God. That tells me that that third thing that really makes God happy and really pleases God is the fellowship that God wants to have with his people that pleases God. Do you know that today? That pleases God. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Look at Genesis 3. Come on, stay with me now, Bible church. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3. Look at verse number 8. This is after the fall, right? And it says in Genesis 3, 8, And they, meaning Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve were hiding behind the fig tree in the fig leaf bikinis, and God still came down. Why? To talk with them. The voice of the Lord. That means that's what Adam and Eve were made for. They were created to spend time with their God. They were created to talk with their God. They were created to fellowship with their God. You say, why did God get so pleased with Enoch? Because Enoch fulfilled God's purpose for man. Enoch spent time with his God and he fellowshiped with his God and God said, I'm pleased with that. Because you know what, Enoch? You fulfilled the purpose that I had in making you. Enoch walked with God. Isn't it a good time when we get together? Amen? Man, you're not even going to amen that? I'm really hopeless tonight, right? I mean, it's a good time when you're playing ball or you're outside just walking around or maybe going in the pool. It's a good time. We're excited. You know, we enjoy being together. You know what God enjoys? God enjoys being with you. God enjoys talking to you. God enjoys when you talk to Him. God is looking for fellowship with his fallen creation, just like Adam and Eve. Now, if Enoch is a type of the church, and Enoch's testimony was that he walked with God, then Enoch's testimony should be your testimony, church. You should be trying to walk with God. You should be looking to spend time with God. You should be looking to please God. And if walking with God is what pleased God, I want to talk tonight, very simple lesson. How do you walk with God? How do you do that? What are the, the steps, so to speak? So our lesson tonight is really simple. How to walk with God. I'm going to give you five simple steps, pardon the pun, that you can take so that you can strengthen your walk, build your walk, or even find your walk with God. Father, we love you today. We thank you today. Please, Lord, I 
I know it's been a long day already, Father, but I pray you just ignite us, Father. Focus our attention, Lord. Help us to give you the best of ourselves, Lord, not leave you any scraps right now. Help us to focus and consider what you have to say, because it pleases you, Father, when we commune with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians, and we're actually not even going to leave the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in there the whole lesson. So I'm not going to flip you around too much, but I'm just going to do a little deep dive on the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four, right down there, verse one. Now you say, why are we going to the book of Ephesians? Well, because the book of Ephesians is all about the body of Christ. The book of Ephesians is all about this thing called the New Testament church. It's broken down in two parts. Chapters 1 to 3 are all about your standing. They're all about what Christ did for you. It's all about heavenly places. It's all about His way in your life. That's chapters 1 to 3. It's your standing in Christ. Chapters 4 to 6 are all about the state of of Christ in you. It's not about heavenly places. It's about your faith down here in these earthly places. It's not about what God did for you. It's about what you do for God. It's not about His way. It's about your walk. So the book of Ephesians is very instructive if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, let me hear you say amen nice and loud again, right? So chapters 1 to 3 show you everything in, he- in the heavens, everything God did for you, all the promises, all the riches, all the blessings. Chapters 4 to 6 bring us down to earth. And they say, okay, how do you walk this Christian life? And it's in chapters 4 to 6 we find the steps for how to walk with God. I hope you care enough to pay attention because they're very simple. The first one is in the first verse of chapter 4. Right when we segue into your walk with God and the state of your relationship with Christ, in chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. The first step to walking with God is you have to walk worthy. You have to walk like this thing called walking with God is a big deal, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't get you one verse into Ephesians chapter 4, and he says this about your walk. Hey, this walk with God thing, this spending time with God thing, this, you know, relationship with God thing that the pastor's always rattling on about, he says, it better be a big deal to you. It better be something that you would walk worthy of. Listen, let me bring it down to everybody's level. What if we got a nice basketball court down there? What if Steph Curry wanted to shoot around with you today? If you don't know who Steph Curry is, just keep that to yourself. But what if Steph Curry wanted to shoot around with you? You'd say, wow, that's a big deal. Man, I could shoot around with Steph Curry? That's amazing. That's exciting. Wow. All right, what if you're not a sports person? Let me appeal to the, to the other side of the room. What if, what if uh, let me just pick a YouTuber out. What if, uh, what if Mr. Beast wanted to make a video with you? You say, Mr. Beast, that big time YouTuber that like redoes Charlie in the Chalker Factory and makes pizza slices bigger than this room and gets millions of views of just somebody watching him pick his nose? Wow, Mr. Beast wants to make a video with me? You know what happened? All you guys would sit there and go, wow, Mr. Beast wants to make a YouTube video with me. I'm going to go viral. Not in the COVID sense, but I'm going to go viral. Wow. We would get excited about shooting basketball or shooting a video, but hey, 
God wants to walk with you. God Almighty, the one who didn't just shoot the three, but the one who hung the stars also, he wants to spend time with you. God Almighty, not the one that captures things on a video, but the one that captured life itself in the palm of his hand, he wants to spend time with you. Is that a big deal at all to you? If it's not a big deal, let's have some Pop-Tarts, we'll play some carpet ball, we'll be gone a couple of days. But if it is a big deal to you, or you want it to be a big deal, does anybody want it to be a big deal? If you want it to be a big deal, you know what? You'll walk worthy of it. You'll walk deserving of that honor that God says, hey, I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you. You would walk worthy of that honor. Listen, if you were going to play ball with Steph, I know what happened. You'd wear your best shoes. You'd try your hardest. You'd do some threes and look away and try to be like, you know, do his whole thing. I know what you would do. You'd be like trying your best. You'd be trying to like cook the sauce and shoot just like he shoots and trying to impress him. You'd have your curry nines on. If you got your curry nines yet and you'd be just like, oh, man, you'd be like all over the place. If curry was going to shoot with you, you'd try. And if Mr. Beast wanted to make a video with you, man, you bring your best ideas, your notebook, your creativity, you'd bring everything. But why do we drag our feet to church? Why do we drag our feet to prayer? Why do we drag our feet to Bible time? I know why. It's because it's not important to us. It's not worth it. It's not worth the effort to us. You know, this last week... um, Christian was supposed to get his poured out. I don't mean to pour salt in your port. But, you know, Christian was supposed to get his poured out. And you know what? He bought this whole outfit. He was dressed to the nines. I happen to think he's a really good-looking kid, but I'm biased. But, you know, he walked in, he wowed all the nurses, and he, like, you know, was styling and profiling. Everybody's like, wow. The social worker was like, wow. You know, and everybody was like looking at him. You say, why did he get dressed up to go to Sloan Kettering? Why? Because it was important to him and a big deal to him that he was getting this stupid thing out of his chest, which, God willing, he'll get out this week, and we're going to have to buy him a tuxedo now or something or whatever like that. But, but is it important to you? Now, we just lived through this, right? I thought Danny was going to do it to Josh. I thought he was going to come over here and slap him when he made that comment. But you know what? We just lived through the Oscars, right? When Will Smith, you know, walked up there and, you know, cracked Chris Rock. How many people saw that happen, right? You watched it. There are so many memes of Will Smith smacking Chris Rock. It's unbelievable. I think there's more memes of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, Chris Rock than Harambe ever had in his or her life. But you know what? Why was it such a big deal? People get slapped every day. I'm Italian. I got slapped two or three times a day by my mother and my grandmother. Why was it such a big deal that Will Smith walked up there and, you know, slapped Chris Rock? Because that honors show, that Oscar show, was supposed to be an honorable time. And he didn't walk worthy of it. He walked up there and he disgraced what was supposed to be an honorable event. And everybody took notice. Everybody went, wow. And we're still talking about it. Still making like Jedi memes of a, a Jedi hitting Chris Rock or, you know, somebody else hitting Chris Rock or Bully Maguire hitting Chris Rock and all the many memes that are out there. Hey, for the adults in the room, everybody's going crazy about Hunter Biden's laptop, right? Hunter Biden's laptop. Hunter Biden's a perv. Hunter Biden's this. You know how many weirdos are out there like Hunter Biden? You know what these sick, twisted sickos like Hunter Biden are out there? You say, why are we so into Hunter Biden's laptop? Because he's the president and a senator's son. 
and they're not supposed to live like that. They shouldn't live like that. And we all go, can you look at Ephesians 4, 1 again? Can you see it? I beseech you, he says, I beg you, I plead with you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. He's saying, if you're saved, you know whose son you are? Your God's son. Are you walking worthy of that? Are you walking worthy of that calling? Are you walking deserving of that honor that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is interested in little old you and wants to spend time with little old you? You know how you walk worthy? I'm going to give you a secret. You got to come down here. It makes me feel like it's more intimate. You got to change your stinking thinking. You know what happens? We say, oh, it's six o'clock. I got to go pray now. We say, oh, it's seven o'clock. I got to go to chapel now. I'm having so much fun, you know, flipping this foosball machine. You got to change your stinking thinking. You don't got to do anything. You don't got to read your Bible. You don't got to pray. You don't got to go to church. Flip the switch. You get to go to church. You get to talk to God. You get to read his word. And if you could just flip that switch and change your thinking, stinking thinking, you might start walking worthy of this vocation and start taking a little bit more seriously. That's number one. Can you go to number two? Look at verse number 17. The next step, I'm going to go fast through these. Don't worry. The first one was the heaviest one. Don't worry. Ephesians 4.17. Look at this one. 4.17. The Bible says this. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So what does that mean? Vanity means emptiness, worthlessness. He's saying the next step to walking with God is you got to walk. God's way. Amen. You got to do it God's way. You can't walk the way you want to walk. You got to walk God's way. That's what he's saying. He's saying in verse 17 that if you're saved, you can't follow the world's ways if you're going to walk with God. You got to walk God's way. You got to find out what God thinks. Now, we got some little guys in the room. All right? Learning to walk physically is natural. Now, some of you walked at nine months, and some of you walked at 14 months, and some of you walked at 12 months, and some of you walked, like my son Christian was taking his first steps at eight and a half months. I think Stephen was nine months. Adriana was 10 months. You know what? It doesn't really matter when you started walking, because you all got there eventually, right? Every child gets there eventually. It's like wired inside of you to physically be able to walk. Eventually, you'll get it. You know how I know that? You all walked in here today. Didn't matter if you walked at nine months, 10 months, 14 months, 16 months. You all eventually got it. But can I tell you this? Learning to walk with God is not natural. It's supernatural. And even though every child may get to the point where they can, you know, walk physically, not every child of God gets there when it means walking spiritually. Some Christians out there have no idea what it means to walk with God, and I don't want you to be those people. You say, why don't people naturally learn how to walk with God? Just look at verse 18. It's right in front of you. The way of man, the Bible says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, 
who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. You say, you know why the natural man doesn't start naturally walking with God by himself? You see some things in verse 18 and 19? Naturally, the way the world thinks naturally is dark, it's ignorant, it's blind, and it's wicked. Naturally, just left to yourself. If God left you to yourself, you'd be in the dark, you'd be blind, you'd be ignorant, and you'd be evil. So you're not naturally, you're just going to learn how to walk with God. You're going to have to take some steps and put some of this Bible into you, because verse 20 says, you're going to have to do something different than the natural world. See verse 20, he says, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You know what he's saying there? If you're going to walk with God, you got to learn God's ways. Because God's walk is supernatural. It's nothing you've ever known before. It's different. It's new. It's, it's a new creature in Christ. Listen, let's say the only sport you've ever known was soccer right? If you're a real soccer fan, football. Okay, we're not going to fight about it, but right? And you say, if I handed you an inflated ball, you just start kicking it, right? Because all you knew is soccer. If If in your universe, all you knew was soccer. And I said, let's go play a new game. Let's go play basketball. Well, you'd have to learn a whole new way. You can't, you got the same inflatable ball, it's full of air and it's round, but you can't kick the ball in basketball, that's an infraction. In soccer, you could kick it all the time, that's how you move the ball, but in basketball, if you kick it, they blow the whistle and stop the game. You see, you're starting something new now, it's different this life in Christ, you've got to learn how God says you're supposed to live, because it's not the way you used to do things and the way other people do things. And if all you know is what you think and what other people think, you've got to learn what God thinks so you could walk with God and do it God's way. You see verse 23? Look what it says. It says, be renewed, made new in the spirit of your mind. You've got to get God's mind into your mind if you're going to walk with God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this way. It says, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you get God's mind into your mind, guess what happens? Your life starts going in a different direction. You start changing your ways. You start changing everything. Listen, you are not what you eat. Because if you were what you eat, some of you would be a hot pocket. Right? Thankfully, you're not what you eat. You know what you are? You are what you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if you fill your mind with the wrong thoughts, you're going to walk the wrong way. But if you fill your mind with God's thoughts, you're going to start walking God's way. What if, all right, just, just meddle with me here. What if you thought, how many people drive? How many people are going to drive within the next year? All right, we got some drivers. All right, one of them is okay. She's going to drive within the next year. Congratulations, Nayeli. All right. 
What if you thought it was okay to drive backwards on the left side of the road? You'd be like, I just, you know, I saw some people do it in a movie once. I think I saw Tom Cruise do it in like Mission Impossible 12. And I think he drove backwards on the left side of the road. And I thought that was pretty cool. Well, I think I could drive that way. You know what you would do if I said, I think you could drive backwards on the left side of the road? You'd say, no, no, no. You need to get the driver's manual and learn the rules of the road. Why? So you don't crash. Well, what if what you thought about love Or what if what you thought about drugs? Or what if what you thought about school? Or what if what you thought about jobs? Or what if what you thought about family? Or what if what you thought about what you should do or put on your body should just be whatever you think? Is that how how you're going to walk? I just think two people that love each other. I just think that I could do this. I just think a little bit don't hurt. I just think this. I just think that. You know what I would say to you? The same thing you'd say to me if I want to drive backwards on the left side of the road. No, 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 no. You need to get the manual and learn God's rules of the road. You say, why, Pat? So you don't crash. So you don't make a mess of things. So you don't hurt yourself or somebody else in the process. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16? The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. In that Bible, in the pages of that book, you have God's mind. You have no excuse. I think the brother back there, Edwin's reading a book, no more excuses. I'm going to steal that line. You have no more excuses. You have no excuse for why what God says. You have what God says, and you have his mind in your lap. You're just too lazy to read it. You just got to open it up and read it. Go to church and learn it. Just try to listen to what the preacher or the Sunday school teacher says and get some of it in your head. You know what happens? You'll start walking God's way. You just got to get some of God's words in your mind and it'll change you. It'll make you think different. How many people have an iPhone? Right? That was founded on a guy whose big famous motto was, think different, think different, think different. And we all go, wow, yeah, think different. I could just tap the glass. Think different. Look at that. It knows I'm talking to it. Think different. All you got to do to change your life is think different. Don't think like all the other dingbats out there. Think God's thoughts. You've got them in front of you in little sixth grade English. Just get them in your head and you'll start walking away that pleases God. Because Philippians says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You've got the word of God. You've got the mind. All you got to do is open it up. And let it get into your head. Let it go into your mind. Let it go into your eyes. Let it go into your ears. You know what happened? You'll start walking God's way. You'll start going in the right direction. You say, why do I got to follow God's book? Because God's way is the only way that matters. Nothing else matters. I know I'm an old fart up here, and you guys are young bucks, but you know what? Can I tell you someone who's an old fart in the room now? God's way is the only way that matters. You know why? Because God made the roads, and God made the rules of the road. And if you want to navigate this life and get ready for the next one, you better find out who the maker is and what he said, how things should go. You better learn God's ways and walk in God's ways. Number three. Number three. All right, go to Ephesians chapter five. All right. We're hurrying right along here. All right. Let me get one big loud amen just for my insecurity. Help me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. The third step to walking with God, Ephesians five, verse one and two. The Bible says, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love 
as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You know what the third step to walking with God is? It's to walk in wonder. Let me explain that. Does it ever hit you how much God loves you? Let me say that again. Does it ever really hit you how much God loves you? I mean, I mean, Brother Brian was talking about the other day at the men's meeting. It's right. It just, it just, it almost makes you tremble. It makes you kind of stand in awe that you are, as verse one says, you are His dear children. You're not just His children, like, oh, you're my child. I gotta feed you and clothe you and blah blah blah. No, you're His dear children. He cares about you. He loves you. He adores you. Does that resonate with anybody? Does that hit anybody today? We sing a song, 452. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. You know what the chorus says? How marvelous, how wonderful, how full of wonder is my Savior's love for me, for you, for us, for the church. But I like when it says for me. God so Christ, the Son of God, loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know if he gave himself for you. I know he did, but you know who he is? He's my Jesus. He's my Savior. He's my God. He's my fortress. He's my beloved. He's my friend. He's my high tower. I don't know. I hope he's yours, but that's what he is to me. John 3.16 is maybe the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That word so means how much did God love you? So much that he would give his very best. He'd give his very son to prove that love to you. God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I wouldn't give my boy up for you on your best day. Oh, you can have a halo that shine brighter than a seraphim. And you know, I don't even know what that means. But you know what? I wouldn't give, right, brother? You wouldn't give that boy up for the, for the best American anywhere. You wouldn't give that boy up. God gave his boy up on your worst day. And you wonder if God loves you. And you doubt it. Man, he loved you that much. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'd be sitting in Sloan Kettering, watch Christian curled up in a ball. And sitting there in pain and say, man, what I wouldn't give to take your place. What I wouldn't give, God. Uh, God, I would die for him. You know what the Holy Spirit told me? I already died for you. You say, I would, oh, I would give my life for my husband. I'd give my life for my wife. I'd give my life for my children. You know what the Holy Spirit says? I gave my life for you already. I wanted to show you how much I loved you. And if you're really going to walk with God, I don't mean pray, play religion. Okay, I mean, if you're really going to have that relationship and you're really going to walk with God, you've got to walk in the wonder of his love. You got to be like walking on sunshine, just thinking about the fact that God loves you that much 
that he wants to walk with you. Is that, does that resonate? Does that ring a bell in anybody's mind? I don't just mean the adults. I mean you guys that are, you know, 10, 12, 15, 16, 17. God wants to walk with you. Not just your mommy and your daddy, you. David was 17 when he, when he was killing Goliath, right? Joseph was 17 when Daniel was a young man when he was going through some of the stuff that he was going through. God's not just looking for old farts like me. He's looking for people like of all ages. He wants to walk with you. Why? Because he loved you that much. What a God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It's a famous verse. We walk by faith and not by sight. I wish I could conjure like, you know, I wish I could make God come down here in a cloud and he would walk across this stage and we'd all be like, oh, God met with us today. No, we walk by faith, not by sight. There's nothing to see. There's nothing to hear. There's just something to feel and think and trust. You know what faith is? Faith is the engine that runs our walk. If, you're, if your walk was a car and I picked up the hood, you know, be under the hood, you say, how many horses? No, I don't have any horses. How much faith, right? The faith is what runs your car. But what makes your, what makes your faith run? What's the fuel? Galatians 5, 6 tells you what the fuel is. The Bible says, faith worketh by love. You know what makes your faith run? Love is the fuel for your faith. It's what makes it run. You know, if she wasn't asleep, I'd probably use her as an illustration, right? If, I, if you had your little, you know, your little one over here and bring her over to your steps or something like that, and let's say you stand by your steps and you're sitting there and you tell that little one to jump and just take a step off that step into your arms when there's nothing underneath them, you know why that little one would take a step into the air? You know why they would do that? Because they know daddy loves me and daddy's got me. And even if I don't see anything under my feet and it looks like I'm going to fall, I know Daddy's going to catch me because Daddy loves me. You know what? Even you say, wow, that's the love of a parent. You know the love of a parent on his best day looks like hate compared to the love Christ has for you? You take the greatest parent, the greatest mom, the greatest dad, all that sacrificial love, that selfless love, you take that love, that love is the love of a sinner. We're talking about God's love for you makes the greatest love a parent can have for his child probably look like hate in comparison to God's love for you, how far he went for you when you hated him. And until you learn to get lost in his love, you're never going to take that step of faith. You're never going to take that step unless you know, daddy's got me. Daddy loves me. If you don't get lost in his love, you're never going to take that step. Because if you're afraid daddy's going to drop you, you're never going to make a move towards him. Because you're afraid. There is no fear in love. Can I tell you today, daddy's got you. And daddy loves you. And daddy's not going to let you fall. I can call him daddy because the Bible calls him Abba. We cry Abba, Father. That's like calling him daddy, right, brother? It's like calling him daddy. So when I say daddy, gotcha, I'm not being blasphemous. God loves you that much that when you come home from a bad report at the oncologist, you know what? Daddy's not going to let me fall. Daddy's not going to drop me. When you you out there and you get some bad news and it turns your world upside down on a night, you know what? As sad as it is and how many tears might run down your face, you know what you hold on to the fact? Daddy's not going to drop me because daddy loves me. He's not going to. That's the only way you're ever going to walk with him. How can you walk with a God you're afraid is going to drop you? He's afraid he's going to leave you. He's afraid like a fair weather savior. No, you know what you got to rest in? The wonder of his love that you know what? On my worst day, he picked me up out of that miry pit. 
And if he could do that for me then, he's got me now. Amen. Ephesians 5.2. What a Savior. Amen. What a Savior. Amen. 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 Ephesians 5.2. The Bible says, And walk in love as Christ also had loved us and had given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. He says, When we're overwhelmed by Christ's love, you know what happens? It's easy to love, and God, love God in return. When you're just overwhelmed by the love God has for you, it's easy to love God in return. When you walk in wonder of God's love, you're going to be willing to give Him anything like Christ gave everything. You'll be able to lay something down like Christ laid something down because you're just so in love with Him and you know He's so in love with you and you're like, what do you want, some money, God? Here's some money. What do you want, some time, God? Here's my time. What do you want, God? Some more of me? Here's all of me, God. I know you got me. Your daddy's got me. I want to give you all of me because you gave me all of you. That's the wonder of his love that you got to walk in. Can you go to chapter 5? Let's keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on here. You see those numbers of some of your accounting. Is he using decimals between the two of them? But uh, number 4. Now, <clears throat> the next step to walking with God, I'll write it down, is to walk like a winner. To walk like a winner. Amen. That's two of you that think you're winners. <laughs> Some of you are really winners, but that's a different connotation. But you know, you ever watch a winner walk? Man, they got some swagger. They got some confidence. They got some little, you're not bravado, but they got like a confidence and a boldness in their walk. You ever watch the way a loser walks? Shoulders slumped. There's hesitation, there's fear, there's like droopiness. You know what that tells me? Your victory affects your walk. When you think you have victory, you walk differently. When you think it's all, it's hopeless and you've lost, it changes the way you walk. Now at Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to jump down a little bit. You know, the whole Bible can be broken down into winners and losers. Light versus dark. God is light. Amen? And can I tell you this? In the end, God and his people will be victorious. All right? Can I just encourage you today? Come on, smile. We win. We win. The God and his followers win. That's one side. If you're on God's side, say amen. All right, that's so you're, I told you you're winners, right? But you know what's the other side? Darkness. The devil is the prince of darkness. And in the end, Satan and his followers will lose. Can I say that again? We had that guy a few weeks ago on 36. He was, people were driving by saying, Hail Satan, hail Satan. And you know, we yelled back, He's a loser. He's a loser. And at the end I said, You're a loser too. I almost got in trouble with that one. But you know what? He, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to charge hell with a squirt gun. I'm just telling you honestly, like Martin Luther said, lo, his doom is sure, right? He's going to lose. I'm waiting for the lights to fall on my head right now. But you know what? He's going to lose. We need to be reminded of that. You say, how do you know he's going to lose? Because light always defeats darkness. If I turned off all the lights right now and just flipped the switch and turned the lights on, you know what would happen? All the darkness would be gone. Because when the lights come on, the darkness is gone. The question is, are you on the winning side? Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the dark? Now, brethren, I know, especially the older people in the room who watch too much media, the world may look very dark right now. I didn't get any amens right there. And it may look like we're losing right now. But can I tell you, 
the light is coming. And when that light splits the eastern sky, you know what's going to happen? The darkness is going to be gone. The darkness is going to be put down. And you know what? You just got to make sure, brethren, that you're on the winning side. You got to make sure. You say, how do I know? Well, are you saved? Right? Uh, Amen, brother. Colossians 1 says this, verse 13. God hath delivered us from the power of darkness... In, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. God said, when you were lost, you were held in that kingdom of darkness. The devil had you in his clutches, and when God saved you, he broke those chains, and you walked out of the dungeon, flamed with light, and now you're a child of a different king, the king who is light, which no man can approach unto. That's who you're a child of now, a child of the day, and not of the night anymore. 1 Peter 2.9 says, God hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You're a winner if you're saved. With all that said, look at verse 8. All that, look at verse 8. For ye were sometimes, meaning the past, darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He's saying, guys, if God saved you from the losing team, why wouldn't you walk like a winner? He says, I took you off the losing team and I put you on the winning team. Why are you still acting like a loser? You're a winner now. I called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Walk that way. Walk like a winner. Hey, I don't. I make too many basketball references. I know. Hey, when the Warriors beat the Celtics last week, right? When the, some of you like the Warriors and the Celtics, is that like a tribal thing? No. When the Warriors beat the Celtics last week, and you watch them celebrate on the floor at TD Garden, guess what? They did not walk around like the losing team. They walk differently than the Celtics. They talk differently than the Celtics. You could take one look at that arena and you could say, they're the winners and they're the losers because they walked differently. Hey, brethren, if you know the devil is a loser, why would you ever listen to him and heed his ways? Are you dumb? I mean, I can't be any plainer. Why would you follow a loser? He loses. Don't follow a loser. Be different. Let God look down and say, oh, there's the winners, there's the losers. Right? Because when you win, you walk different. You have a different life than when you're on the losing team. Hey, if you know darkness is the losing team, and if you know darkness is the losing team, can I get an amen? Amen. Hey, if you know darkness is the losing team, why would you wear their uniform? Why would you dress like them? Ink yourself up like them? pierce yourself up like them, look like them, talk like them, sound like... Why would you do anything to even resemble them? I don't want to look like them. I'm on the winning team. I want to look like a child of the king, inside and out. Why would I wear their uniform? Their anger, their pride, their lust, their greed, their filthiness, their foolishness. I don't want to put that on. I'm supposed to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, if you know God wins... Why would you follow the loser's playbook? God says, I win. Follow my playbook. You'll win in the end. Trust me. God's giving you. Why would you follow, the lo- why would you follow a loser's playbook? How many people drive again? Who wants to drive? 
Kenzie, I know you want to drive someday soon. Right? Guess what Stephen does. You know what? Would you drive around in a car you knew was going to blow up any day? Would you do that? Well, they told me this car, you know. Hi, guys. Get in. Everybody get in. Shut the door. Put your seatbelts on. You know, the mechanic said any day now this car is going to blow up. Let's go for a ride. Where are we going? Oh, five or six hours away. You'd be sitting there like, what am I doing in this car? Why am I going on this ride? Any minute this car is going to blow up. Listen, the world out there any day now is going to blow up. God's going to level it and topple it. Why would you be walking with the losers? Walk like a winner. The Bible says, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, walk like a winner. Are you on the winning side? Amen. Amen. Are you? There's a song. I know, Josh, you ever sang this at camp, but this is a song called The Winning Side, and it goes like this, and you can say amen whenever you want. It says, uh, once I drifted out in sin, had no hope nor joy within, and my soul was burdened down with pride. Then my Savior came along, and he showed me I was wrong. And now I know I'm on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin, no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. From the straight and narrow way, I was drifting every day out upon the waters deep and wide. But it all is over now. Glory light is on my brow and my soul is on the winning side. I will never have a fear, for my Lord is ever near, and in Him so often I confide. He's the keeper of my soul, since I gave Him full control, and He placed me on the winning side. Amen. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin, no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. Are you on the winning side? Amen. Then walk like a winner because you're on the winning side. And finally and quickly, brethren, right there in verse 15, the final step to walking with God. The final step is you have to walk wisely. Got to walk wisely. It's right there in verse 15. I'm not making it up. God put the words in the Bible, not me. 5.15, see then, given all the stuff we've talked about, see then that she walks circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The last thing God says about our walk in Ephesians is walk circumspectly. Walk carefully, walk watchfully, walk wisely. You ever seen like a, someone walk on a high wire, right? Like whether they're doing it at the circus or they're doing it like between buildings or over the Grand Canyon, like these nut jobs, right? You know, they, they are so, they're paying attention to every step. Sometimes they got to pause and go down. They're watching the wind. They're doing all these things. Why? So they don't fall. 
Because when you're walking a high line like that, it's very easy to fall and it's very precarious your walk. You got to walk wisely. You ever watch a war movie? The only soldier we got here is Aaron. So I would say at least relative. I know we got some other soldiers here. No offense. But you, know, but you ever watch like a war movie and watch like a soldier walking behind enemy lines? You know what he's doing? He's walking wisely. He's looking all around him. He's listening to every creak, every twig he breaks when he steps. He's listening to the way his equipment moves. He's paying attention to the brush he's hitting. He's making sure he blends in with his environment. You say, why? So he doesn't get taken out by the enemy. You've got to walk wisely. But you know what's going to make you walk wisely? See our list? If you start by thinking your walk is a big deal and you want to walk worthy, of being with God, you're going to walk wisely because you don't want to mess it up. And you don't want to lose that sweet fellowship. And you don't want to lose God's smile in your life because once you've tasted that intimate walk with God, you don't want anything else. You don't want to disappoint God and have Him turn away His face from you. Listen, man, you don't want to fall. Uh, CJ, he just went to the bathroom real quick. But since CJ, he's he's what they call on study with his leukemia treatment. He's on study. That means... They watch everything. I mean, they got everything timed out. And since CJ's been on study, everybody's been watching everything. They're watching his medication, how this goes with that. Is this going to make him grow a tail? Right? They got all these different things. They're watching his food. Can he eat this? Can he eat that? Should he do this? The timing of this? The dosage of that? You say, why are they watching over my son's treatment? Hey, Christian, why are they walking over my son's treatment so carefully, so wisely, so uh, delicately? Why? Because he's precious. You know why else? His condition is precarious. It would be easy to mess it up. It would be easy to thwart what they're trying to do in his body. And we don't want to mess it up. So you know what we do? We watch every pill he takes. We watch every dose he takes. We watch everything because it's a precious life he has and it's a precarious thing he has. We don't want to mess it up. Athletes know this, right? Anybody an athlete in here? Anybody play ball at all in here? You know what Olympic athletes do? My boss's son was in the Olympics. Olympic athletes watch everything they do. They watch their meals, they watch their sleep, they watch their training regimen. You say, why are they so careful? Because they want to win the prize. They want to win that prize. Look at verse number 14. We're almost done. 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. I might have to preach that lesson right now. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You know what he's saying? Hey! If you want to win God's prize, you better wake up. You better wake up because if you sleep, you might waste all the time you got to win that prize. You better wake up, son, splash a little water on your face from the Holy Bible, get a little cold water through a thirsty soul, and wake up and start going for God because the clock is ticking. He says in verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. Don't be a fool. He says if Jesus Christ wants to give you That light, his prize is glory. And you're going to shine with the light that he shines with. If that's what he wants to give you and share with you, he says, you better wise up. You better wise up. Because he's not just giving that as a participation prize. You got to earn that thing. You got to work for that thing. You got to want that thing, like Josh said. And then 16, he says, redeeming the time. 
Because the days are evil. And if the days are evil, you better not waste any more precious time. Because to quote my beloved Eli, Jesus is coming. He's coming. And the more evil the days get, the closer he is to coming back. And every day you wake up is a decision to live for God or live for evil. And the days are evil. No Bible talks about the evil day. The days are evil because these days are out there not to get you closer to God. They want to drive you further from God. They're evil days. God says, you better wake up. You better wise up. You better stop wasting time because something's trying to take you further and further away from where God wants you to be. And having said all that in verse 17, he says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He says, if you know the truth, don't be a fool. He's saying, now is the time to do God's will. If you're sitting here today and you don't know for sure if heaven is your home, I want you to ask your leaders tonight, how do I get saved? Ask another Christian here tonight, how do I get saved? Because God's will is that none should perish. God's will is that all could be saved. God's will is that everybody gets eternal life. God will have all men to be saved. Say, what does God want for my life? Are you saved? Get saved. That's will number one. And he says, listen, wise up, wake up, stop wasting time. Do God's will. Get saved. That's first. He said, but I'm already saved. I've been saved since I was in the womb. I don't know about that, but okay, you've been saved since you were a spud or whatever you were, 20, 30, however old you, 10, 5, whatever it is. You say, I know I'm saved. I know for sure I'm saved. You know what it is now? Walk with God. That's what he wants you to do. That's God's will, to walk with God. Because you got to walk with God before he calls you home, if you want to get that testimony. Can we finish where we started in Hebrews 11? I'm going to finish there, and Josh, you can maybe start getting ready with a song. If you got one on your mind, I'm going to just say a few more things here, and you've been very kind, but I want to hit you with this right now. It's said in Hebrews 11.5, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Can I ask this again? Do you want to please God? Are you going to have that testimony? Do you want to have that testimony? Will that be your testimony? Are you walking with God? It doesn't mean you're like doing this with an imaginary person next to you. It means, are you talking to Him with everything? Are you praying even in your mind right now? Lord, what are you trying to say to me in this message? Lord, what am I supposed to do with this message? Lord, what are you trying to say to me? You could talk to him right now in your mind, sitting there. You don't have to wait for some big thing with a song. You sit there right now. You can go to your cabin later and maybe take a walk under the moon and say, Lord, what do you want for my life? What sin is in my life? What's in my life, Lord, that you want to make better? Lord, I do love you. I know you love me. You could talk to him. You know what else he wants to do? He wants to talk to you. You open the Bible, he talks to you. That's how you walk with God. You want to do that? Listen, not everybody in here will ever preach a message. Some of you, that's not the calling in your life. That's not what God wants from you. Not everybody in here will ever be a missionary and go live out on some foreign land and live in a hut giving the gospel to people that don't know why you look the way you look. Not everybody's going to do that. But if you're saved here today, give me one more amen, one more. Okay. If you're saved here today, 
Every single one of you can love God enough to spend time with him. We can all walk with God. Like the apostles, everyone knew that those apostles had been with Jesus. Would anybody know if they looked at your life? Because like Enoch, when the rapture calls you home, they may not know now, but everybody's going to know then. When they call you home and you stand at that judgment seat of Christ, forever however long, there's going to be a period of time where everybody's going to know who are the ones that walked with God down there and who are the ones that couldn't care less. Everybody's going to know. The Bible says, in that day, all shall be revealed. The day shall declare it, because shall be revealed by fire. God's going to show who are the people that loved him enough to sacrifice the time and the effort and the devotion to try to walk with God, to just try to spend time with him. That's all he's asking about. You know what they'll say? I wonder, will they say of you when they see you walk in those streets? Will they say of you, ooh, And Jenny walked with God, and Mike walked with God, and Stephen walked with God, and Hannah walked with God. Will they say that about you? Will they say that about you in the future? Will that be your testimony? Oh, what a testimony for someone to say, and Pat walked with God. Simple, easy. All you got to do is love him enough to want to spend time with him. So that's my question as I close. Do you want the Lord enough? to take these steps to walk with God. Do you want to have that relationship with him? Walk worthy, walk his way, walk in wonder, walk like a winner and walk wisely. And then you too will walk with God and please God. Let's, let's stand for prayer. Let's stand together.